when we discover who we are meant to be in Christ, when we, our dreams become God's dreams, we find our true purpose. I've got a question for you this morning. What is your God dream? What is it that God would have you do with your life? Let's say money and time and resources were no limit at all. What would you do with this one wild and precious life that God has given you? These are the questions we're going to be asking together over the next six weeks. And as we dig in, let me read to you from Genesis chapter 28, our scripture reading for today. We're going to read verses 10 through 17. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you. And to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Good morning, friends. My name is Pastor Brad. It is so good to be in worship with you on this morning together. Um, I sometimes forget that you may not know who I am and I may not know who you are. Um, and if you're a guest this morning, we especially want to say a word of welcome to you. Um, but I was reminded at the first service this morning, after we did the blessing of the children, one little girl came up to me and said, are you new? <laughs> so yes, I'm new. I'm new. I'm the new guy in town. I'm Pastor Brad. Um, and we are starting a new sermon series today. Uh, we are talking about God's dream for our lives. And the name of our series is Dare to Dream. If you sit long enough and if you sit quietly enough, uh, you could do it today, in fact. Uh, you will find buried deep in your soul a spark, an idea, a seed that has been planted there by the Holy Spirit. And it's called by many names, your call, your burden, uh, your life goal. I like to think of it as a God dream, a God dream. And I wonder, what is your God dream? And if you're not actively pursuing it, why not? Well, if you're like me, uh, maybe you've fallen into the trap of someday. Have you ever had a case of the someday's? You know, a someday I'm going to, and you can fill in the blank. Someday I'm going to volunteer uh, to tutor at the kids' school. Now, someday I'm going to learn Spanish. You know, someday I'm going to be uh, a helper at the women's shelter. Someday I'm going to write a book. And I'm not picking on you this morning, I'm really not, uh, I, because I fall into the same trap, the, the trap of someday. Uh, I honestly believe that most of us are trying really hard to get this right. But the truth is, real life gets in the way, doesn't it? So make dinner and pay the bills and get the kids to practice and do all the things that the calendar says I have to do today. And we put off our God dreams until someday. Now, friends, I'm here to tell you the truth. Someday is the enemy of today. 
Someday is the enemy today. We may be so very earnest in our desire to eventually do these things that we've said we want to do, and yet they seem to never happen. On the wall of my uncle's garage, he's got a sign, and the sign says, Ladies, if your husband tells you he's going to fix something, he will. There's no need to remind him about it every six months. <laughs> Someday is the enemy of today. And so in celebration of what God is doing right now and right here, we are starting our new sermon series called Dare to Dream. And we're going to take some Old Testament stories uh, like the one about Jacob we read this morning. We're going to take the story of Moses and a couple of New Testament passages. We're going to use them to imagine what God can do in our lives. Uh, this series has been inspired, by the way, by a pastor named Mike Slaughter, who's pastor of Ginghamsburg Church in Ohio, and he wrote a little book uh, by this name that's been very helpful in helping prepare this series. So the goal for this series is for you to discover a God-sized mission for your life. And over the next six weeks, it is my hope that we will come to see that God's call comes to us in the everyday, in the ordinary, in the sort of ordinariness of our lives. I think sometimes when we think about big dreams and we talk about God's call, we imagine, oh, God is going to call me to like sell all my possessions and move to Haiti or, or move to Africa. And gosh, I just don't know if I'm re ready for all that. And that may be God's call on you today. But more likely, I'm guessing God's call is for you to live and be right where you are in your home and in your school and in your place of work and to do something transformative right there. God may not be calling you to go some faraway place. God is, wants to use the ordinariness of your daily life to make a difference. You see, when we think about mission in church, we often think about mission trips, right? We think about special projects. But if you are a, an authentic follower of Jesus, you will discover that mission is not once a, a one-week trip you take in the summer. Mission is a way of life for the disciples of Jesus Christ. Mission is a way of life. And I'm not talking about some small, insignificant mission. Uh, we are talking about a God-sized mission. Well, what does that mean, God-sized? Well, we know that God is huge. God is bigger than any being we can imagine. God is just immense and almighty. And so God's dreams are the same. God has huge dreams. God dreams of transforming this world. And so having a God-sized mission means we have to stop settling for something so small. How many of you have seen the movie Jaws? Have you seen the movie Jaws? That's a, I realize I'm dating myself with that one. But, you know, there's this, the story is huge shark tries to kill people, eats the boat, and the, uh, the guys on the boat say, oh, we're going to need a bigger boat. That's kind of like the tagline, right? Well, when you start reading this book, and when you start taking Jesus seriously, you realize we're going to need a bigger dream. We need to imagine something greater than what we had imagined before. You know, there's an old saying uh, that the, the way to be a Christian is uh, don't smoke and don't chew and don't go with those that do. You know, that's what we used to tell our kids and grandkids about how to be a disciple. And we realized there's way more to it than that. There's way more to it than, than just not smoking cigarettes. And by what does that have to do with being a Christian anyway? I'm not sure. That's another sermon. So, so we are talking about something big, what, what Professor Jim Collins called your B-H-A-G, your big, hairy, audacious goal, or we might call it your big, hairy, audacious God dream. Now, I want to hit on that word audacious. You know what audacious means? It means daring. It means bold. 
It means brave. It means risky. I was talking to a friend a while back about the mission of our church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And he said, you really believe you can do that? He said, I said, yeah. He said, well, that's, that's pretty hubristic of you, don't you think? I said, yeah, yeah, it is. It takes a lot of confidence to think that you can change the world, doesn't it? But here's the catch. It's not confidence in ourselves. It's confidence in God, in what God can do. And you see, it's in God's grace that God says, I'm going to transform this world with my love. But by the way, you're invited to help. You can come along and be a part of this. And so we have, that is our mission as a church, to make disciples of Jesus for the transformation of the world. But each of us has some unique part to play in that based on your personality, based on the gifts you have given. And the goal of this series that I have for you is that we would uncover what that mission is over these next six weeks and we would have some clarity about that. My friends, we're going to change the world. What could be bigger or hairier or more audacious than that? So in this series, we're talking about your big dream, about the thing that God is calling you to do. Uh, and I'm talking big, big like the Wright brothers inventing flight, uh, big like Bono wanting to end poverty in Africa, big like the people of this church saying, we're going to try to feed the hungry neighbors in our community so that no one would have to go hungry right here in our neighborhood. God has created you for a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And your job as God's created being, as God's beloved child, is to discover what that plan is. To spend intentional time each day listening to the Holy Spirit to see what it is that God has for you. And over the course of these next six weeks, we are going to discover your purpose, your big, hairy, audacious God dream. So this morning we read from the Old Testament book of Genesis. I wonder if you know this story. Uh, Jacob was on the run, and he was on the run because he had done, done something very bad. He had tricked his elderly father, Isaac, into giving him the inheritance that was supposed to be to his brother Esau. And so you can imagine Esau was not too pleased about that. In fact, Esau was mad, understandably. And so Esau is chasing him. He wants revenge. And his parents fear for Jacob's life. And so they sent him away to a place where he could be safe. And the story says he left Beersheba and he came to Haran. And on his way there, he stopped for the night. And the story says that he took one of the stones from that place and he laid it under his head and went to sleep. In other words, he would not be having a good night's rest with a rock for a pillow. I don't know if you've ever used a rock for a pillow before. Not too comfortable, we can imagine, right? And it was in his restlessness that night that God came to him in a dream. And this is a clue, by the way. As we unpack the scripture story, notice there's clues all along the way. This is a clue about how God speaks to us. God spoke to Jacob in his restlessness. And so sometimes God speaks to us in our restlessness. I want you to think about for a moment, what are the places in your life in which you find yourself restless? You're unsettled. Uh, maybe you're unsatisfied with some part of your life. Pay attention to those things. Don't just you know, wash it away and say, oh, I'm so glad to just be, try to be done with this. Embrace those opportunities and listen for the Spirit to speak because God will speak to you in those occasions of restlessness. That is how God works so often. And though God spoke to Jacob in the restlessness of his sleep, Jacob dreamed of a ladder that connected heaven and earth, and the angels of God were ascending and descending. They're going up and down on it. This is one artist's rendering of what that might have looked like, a staircase 
a stairway to heaven, if you will. So this is Jacob's vision. Uh, the Lord is connecting heaven and earth, uh, making a way for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God has shown it to Jacob. Now, if you go and read what the scholars say about this Bible story, you'll get all kinds of different opinions about what is the meaning of this staircase, of this ladder. What is its meaning? But a, a number of scholars and Bible experts will say uh, the kind of thing that our Methodist founder John Wesley said, which is that the ladder is Jesus, that the stairway is Jesus Christ. And it makes sense. Listen to what John Wesley wrote. He said, Jesus is the ladder. The foot on earth in his human nature, the top in heaven in his divine nature, all the association between heaven and earth is by him, by Jesus. Christ is the way, he said. All God's favors come to us and all of our services come to the Father through Christ. And then he says, we have no way of getting to heaven except by this ladder. My friends, that is the truth. We have no way to get to heaven except by this ladder known as Jesus Christ. He is our way to connect with God. What a phenomenal picture that God has showed to Jacob. Now, we could ask the question, what is Jacob's role in this? We know what Jesus' role is, is to connect earth to heaven. What is Jacob's role? Well, listen to what the Lord said to him in his dream. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac. In other words, the God of your grandfather and your father. The land on which you now are laying, I will give to you and your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. In other words, ubiquitous, abundant, everywhere. His children will be spread out and fill the whole earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Jacob's call was to be a blessing And it was on that night that his life began to change. You see, up until then, Jacob was not a blessing to very many people at all, right? And now God was calling him to see something, to do something outside of himself, to transform his selfishness and self-centered ways into being used for God's purposes, you see, remember, Jacob is on the run. He's, he's a deceiver. He fooled his father. He swindled his brother. You know, clearly Jacob's way of living is not working. And I wonder if you've ever had that realization. You know, our way isn't working. We need to try a different way. We need to try things God's way. And so Jacob began to shift from a self-selected life to a God-directed life. From a self-selected life to a God-directed life. God wants to use him for something more. God wanted to transform his selfishness and make him a blessing to others. Can I tell you something? All of us need to make this shift. All of us need to make this shift from a self-selected life, ooh, what do I want to do with my life, to a God-directed life and ask the question, What would God have me do? What are the gifts that God has given me to use in his service? We're really fond of asking children, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, that's a great question, isn't it? But here's an even more important question. Who does God want you to be? Who does God want you to be? And it's very often that the desires we find in our hearts are the ones that God has laid there. God has put those desires on our hearts. And so we can make that connection between what's inside of us and what we're hearing from God and this call. Like there's a call in the life of Jacob, there's going to be a call in your life. 
one of the times I'm shifted in my life from a self-selected life to a God-directed life was in college. I went to JMU, and I started out as a business major, and I, I was going to make a lot of money, and I was going to go into business for myself, and it was going to be awesome. And a bunch of my friends uh, were business majors, and uh, Donna, who's now my wife, she was a finance major, and uh, we spent a lot of time in Zane Shoker Hall and all those business classes. But, you know, here's the thing. I hated it. I hated every minute of it, and I would dread going to class, and I would avoid reading the books and doing the assignments and taking the test. And it, it took me like two or three semesters to figure this out, by the way. I think that's the young mind, uh, not knowing really what I wanted out of life. And so finally, I shifted, and I moved, and I changed my major from business to social work. And that was the beginning of a, of a transformation in my life. But see, this, this period of me really hating the stuff I was studying, I was restless. Remember, that's a clue. That's a clue about God speaking to you and to me. God was using that restlessness in my life to speak and to show me something different. And so I changed my major to social work. And then after college, I worked for four years as a drug abuse counselor. And I volunteered at my wife's church and working with the youth. And all of a sudden, I was much happier and more fulfilled. But I realized it wasn't the thing yet. I had not yet discovered my ultimate purpose. I was still restless. I was still a little bit unsatisfied. And so after months and months of prayer and talking with other people and wrestling with God, I realized that my vocation was to be the pastor of a local church. And sometimes people will ask me, hey, Brad, you know, um, what, uh, what made you decide you wanted to be a pastor? And the answer is, I didn't. I never wanted to be a pastor. That was never part of the Brad plan. You see, that was God's plan for my life. And it was only when I began to listen to God and to, to move from a self-selected life to a God-directed life that I came to uncover, oh, this is what God wants me to do. You see, I would never have chosen this. It, it used to scare me to death to stand up in front of a group of people like this and give a talk. It still makes me nervous every Sunday. But I would never have chosen this, in other words. This is what God chose. This is what God showed me. You see, I wanted to study business. I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to be a volunteer only working with youth in the church. And so I tried all those things, but none of those things fully satisfied me. There was a sense of emptiness in my heart, that, and I knew there was something else around the corner in my life, and it turned out this is what it is. This is what would ultimately fulfill me because this is my God dream. You see, those other things were not my God dream. Now, I'm not saying they can't be for you. Whatever it is God is calling you to do is your God dream. But for me, working with youth or, or counseling or business, those were not my things. This, this was it. This week, I want to invite you to spend some time discovering your mission for your life. Now, I'm guessing that this is not the first time you've thought about it. This is not a totally new idea for you. You've probably wondered, what's my purpose in life? What am I, am I going to do with this one life that I've been given? What am I going to be when I grow up? And so what I want you to do during this series is take some tools that we want to give you to bring clarity to those questions so you can have a clearer understanding of what it is that God has for you. So you can be clear about your God-sized dream. And this morning, I want to give you two clues, and one we already mentioned, that is restlessness. Restlessness. In your bulletin this morning, you were given a connections journal. Can we have the house lights up a little bit? 
I want you to pull out your bulletin and pull out the connections journal that's inside of it. It looks like this. If you don't have a bulletin, maybe look on with a person near you. And Estelle has some more bulletins if, if you need one. This is going to go in your bulletin every Sunday uh, from now until kingdom come. And this is a guide for your prayer and study. You'll notice each day there are scripture readings and there are questions for reflection and there are suggestions for prayer. My hope, my dream is that we would all be praying and studying and focusing on the same thing together as a church for a season. And you'll notice as you read this week, all the, the texts are related to what we're talking about this morning. Um, if you don't want to take a paper copy of this, that's no problem. You can get it on the website, and eventually we hope to find a way to text it to you. So there will be m multiple ways that you can access this information. Turn over on the back and notice it's mostly blank, and it says notes on the top. If you're a person who is helped by jotting down notes, writing down things as you hear them so you can remember, please feel free to use that. And I'm going to ask you to write something on it right now. If you have a pencil or a pen or if you can borrow one from someone around you, or if you don't, the first thing you do when you get home is write right here restlessness in really big letters r-e-s-t-l-e-s-s-n-e-s-s -S 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 -S. restlessness i want you to spend some time thinking this week about the restlessness in your life maybe now maybe a, uh, some other season of your life that you've experienced it maybe it was when you were asleep maybe it's been when you are awake think about that in what ways is your life unsettled in what ways do you find yourself uh, thinking of the someday dreams? What are those someday dreams that you may be ready to pursue right now? Think about that as you read the scriptures this week from your Connections Journal. The second clue, also in your Connections Journal, look at Monday. It says, discovering a God-sized mission for my life. Identify three people you admire and ask these questions about them. So I want you to spend some time this week thinking about who are the people that you want to be like? Who are the people in your life who you admire? Maybe it's someone very close to you, or maybe it's someone you've never met, but people you admire, because we become the kind of people that we admire, and we want to be like them. And so I want you to spend some time and then ask these questions about each of those people. What are their greatest qualities? What steps have they taken to nurture these qualities? Uh, why are these qualities important to me? And spend some time on that this week thinking about the people that you admire. When you do that, I want to encourage you, write it down. I realize we are an increasingly paperless society, but on your laptop or on your notebook, write down your answers to those questions. Why? Because over the course of these six weeks, you are going to craft a mission statement for your life. You're going to write a sentence that will say, the mission for my life is, and then you're going to have much more clarity about that, I hope, six weeks from now than you may right now. And one of the ways you're going to get there is by answering these kind of questions, by doing a study each week, and then by putting it together day after day. And so hold on to your notes from each day, from each week, and then by the end, you will have something discernible, something tangible that you can say, this is what God has for me in my life. So uh, by way of example, let me share with you um, a couple, three people that I admire in my life. One of the people I admire is Larry Bird. Larry Bird uh, was a professional basketball player for the Boston Celtics. Uh, he was my hero when I was a kid. I wanted to be like him. Uh, I've since discovered Larry has not always made the best sort of life choices. And so in that sense, I don't want to be like him. But he's an amazing basketball player. And, and like me, he's, you know, he's a regular guy. Like me, he's from Indiana. Unlike me, he's six feet, nine inches tall, which helps a lot. Also, he can shoot the lights out. You know, he won the three-point contest several times. Um, so 
By the way, look at those shorts. Just take that in for a second. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. Uh, you kids today, you do not appreciate. This is how we used to dress in the 80s. And uh, it's a little known fact, but those shorts actually gave him magical powers on the basketball court. So what I admire about Larry Bird is his determination. He grew up a poor kid from a small town in Indiana called French Lick, and he decided at some point in his life he was going to make something of himself. He worked harder than anybody else on the basketball court. He was driven to succeed, and he's had a lot of success in his life as a college player, as a professional, uh, as an Olympian, as a coach for basketball, as, as a, an executive in, in the NBA. And so one of the people I admire is Larry Bird. Another person I admire is named Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley is the pastor of North Point Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. You may recognize his father's name, Charles Stanley, who's the great Baptist preacher. And I don't know about you, but I, many times on long drives, I've found myself tuning the radio to hear Charles, uh, Charles Stanley's sermon. Very good. Anyway, this is his son, Andy Stanley, an incredibly effective communicator, one of the most effective communicators I've ever heard in my life. And so I aspire to be as effective, as engaging in my preaching as he is in his. Now, the third person I admire when I tell you about is someone most certainly you've never even heard of or met, and this is a man named Pat Sleeth. Pat was my youth pastor when I was in high school. Pat was the first person to ever take me on a mission trip. He was the first person to ever lead me in a small group experience. We would go to his house on Tuesday nights. We called it SGG, Spiritual Growth Group. Pat radiated the warmth of God's love for me and for the other youth in such a way that when we thought about Jesus, we thought about Pat. He was that kind of person for us. He made me believe that I could be somebody. He made me believe that I was somebody. He used to say, you know, everybody tells you, young people, you're the future of the church. He said, forget it. You're not the future of the church. You are the church right now. And he made me believe I had a contribution to make to the body of Christ. I am who I am today in part because of people like Pat, because of his influence, because of the way he helped me discover this mission for my life. My friends, God has a dream for you. God has a dream for your life. God has a mission for you. Your job is to discover it. Your job is to uncover it. This is what the early Christians called contemplation. Everybody say contemplation. Contemplation. It's the idea that God is right here waiting for you to discover him. But we have to take the time to be intentional, to open our eyes, to see, open our ears, to hear to sit down and in the quiet to pray and to think and to imagine, to dream what it is God has for us. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And my prayer for you is that you will discover the dream that God has laid on your heart today. Let's pray. Merciful God, we are so thankful that you have laid a dream on our hearts, even as you did for your servant Jacob. God, we pray that you would help us shift just now from a self-selected life to a God-directed life. God, help us to live for you and for your son, Jesus Christ, to imagine new possibilities and to dream great dreams for your sake. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.